he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here as I am every week <laughs> with the one and only Alex Apostolidis. Hello, Anthony. Well, hello, Alex. <laughs> It's so nice to be with you today. It's lovely to be with you on a lovely Monday. Yes, and we have a lovely guest. So we won't take up too much time except to say, hey, remember to like and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to this podcast. Boy, that was shameless. Let's bring her on. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's tell the folks who we have. Our, well, interestingly enough, she and I have so many mutual friends, and yet we've never met in person, which we've got to rectify that. But our guest today is a five-time San Diego Music Award winner. Her new album, Stand Up, which is phenomenal, debuted at number one on the Billboard Blues album charts and reached number one on the Roots Music Report Blues album charts. <laughs> She's had tracks played on TV and film including shows on NBC, HBO, Bravo, Hulu, Tyler Perry's, and the Dia Family Funeral. These are just to name a few, right? Fantastic. Great. So whether she's singing blues, jazz, rock or pop, her powerhouse pipes always wow the crowd. She's amazing. Please welcome the fabulous Whitney Shea. The fabulous Whitney Shea. No pressure or anything. Zero, zero pressure. How'd you like that (laughs) buildup? I can't let anyone down now. Well, at least we're we're not asking you to sing. That's true. I I just wish everyone could see the intro, the hand gestures you had, because I was really enjoying it so much. And, you know, they just have to, like, suspend their disbelief and envision it in their minds. (laughs) The whole show in itself. (laughs) <laughs> she's she's all hands she's very oh, handsy greek and oh. sicilian what can i say it's yes. just you know it's, that it's the only way yes in you, right it's that's it that's it absolutely so could you start by telling us exactly how many albums you have released oh my goodness so i have three of my own mm-hmm. um and then i've recorded on lots of other ones as well um but I did my first album here in San Diego, actually with the producer Archie Thompson in 2012. And then I waited a long time and released an album of um, original and cover material in 2018. Uh-huh. Um, and then I did my third album in 2020, which was Stand Up, which has done really well. And that's the first album of kind of all original me- material. So that's been awesome. And uh, you're the writer of all that? Original material. I write with, I actually have an amazing co-writing partner who's a composer as well, Adam Eros. And so uh, we write everything 50-50, lyrics, melody, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. 
How is it? How is it having a writing partner? You say it's a pretty amazing. Is it really? <laughs> Come on. No, you know, it's it's really good. We just met up the other day and it's 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 really good to have somebody that knows you that well. Adam and I, um, uh, we have an interesting partnership because we have different but very varied musical backgrounds. So um, we both have kind of a background in musical theater growing up. He um, grew up accompanying musicals because his mom was a musical theater director, but then he had a full ride in classical piano at USD, and then he went on to uh, be the entertainment director and worked at the Shout House for 10 years. Wow. So he's played all kinds wow. of different music and written country music, written all kinds of stuff, and now wow. he does a lot of stuff for placements. And so, yeah, and then me, I started out doing musical theater and then saying the last, you know, 12 years have done jazz, blues, soul mostly, but all kinds of different music too. So it's really cool, the two of us coming together because like I said, we have kind of different varied backgrounds, but we're good friends and we work really well together. And it's, we both have the same goal in mind to be, you know, just honest in what we're writing and to write really heartfelt, genuine lyrics um, and interesting catchy melodies so it's it's been a really cool partnership that we've you know we've now written stuff for two albums and we're working on a third one hopefully that'll come out next year so yeah wow that's impressive yes so what is the theme of stand up if you if you could share that with us okay um that's i i like to say that i like to write music about empowerment you know obviously being a woman i write a lot of music about female empowerment but that album in particular was just kind of a celebratory um i don't know it, it was interesting because the album came out in, uh, february of 2020 so it's it's been really interesting the journey that that album has taken because it was such a positive album and kind of a little in your face and and fun and and very high energy and then it came out in this really dark time or right before the dark time i shall say right. so it's interesting the legs that that album has gotten because i feel like it's almost gotten longer traction because of covid but then it also was like somewhat stunted because of a, covid a, too. a slow start yeah so it's yeah. i mean some some great things happened you know like there was an article that came out when my album went number one on the billboard blues charts um that mvc san diego did because it was such a crazy time the album was doing really well and you know as we know our industry was completely shut down and so the article said singer tops billboard charts files for unemployment same day you know? <laughs> which wow. was so like par for the right. course of everyone in our industry right. and it was it was such a I, I mean and to think that 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 headline is so telling you know of what we all collectively worldwide <laughs> went through um so it was kind of cool to have everybody I feel like almost be so supportive of the album because they were like, man, you know, I, I had to reschedule my album release party three times because right. it was supposed to be March of 2020. And then, you know, oh. we had it later that year. And then every time there was a spike and there was another shutdown, you know, so we finally got to do it um, last uh, summer, like in July after, you know, a year and a half. So it was pretty crazy. I mean, I hate to say this, but talk about bad timing. I know. No, I've oh, said it myself. Yes. Who Coming knew? out with an album. You know, I don't think um, we as the general public think about that, but maybe you can shed some light on uh, what, if any, um, the general feel of 
the world has on uh, albums being released or doing well when they're released. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've noticed um, during certain times uh, when the country is not doing very well, the music seems to be less happy and less expressive of good things. Um, is there any correlation? Can you speak to that at all? Well, definitely. I mean, especially in the genre that I sing, um, you know, blues and, and soul music, a lot of it comes, I always say, from catharsis. And it's this expression <laughs> of kind of purging these emotions. And I think B.B. King said it basically like, like it's not sad music. It's not that the music itself is sad, but it's more of an expression of getting those emotions out. And in that, it's kind of a celebration in itself. So it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. For me, I am maybe annoyingly positive, um, or I try to be anyway. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mom, so I have always, she owned her own business. I've always been a hustler, you know, and I kind of gained the hashtag busy little singer because all I've ever known how to do is work hard. And so even during COVID, when we weren't really allowed to gig, you know, I was taking online classes, I was applying for art grants, you know, I was doing everything that I could to stay busy and try to reach out to my friends who were all going through rough times. Um, it's, it's interesting what you were asking about, you know, how do people feel about albums doing well? I mean, it's an interesting thing nowadays, albums doing well, because we're such in such a streaming environment now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I, right before COVID, um, I had signed with a record label out of Germany that I'm still with. Um, and this album, Stand Up, is the first of three albums uh, um, over a few year contract. And 2020 was going to be a whole year of touring Europe. It was going to be my oh, big. So I, I came back. Out. I yes. was, I like you said, bad timing. I was, I was going to do my, you know, big introduction to Europe. I was going to be gone all year. And I did about five weeks. I was in Russia, of all places, um, January 2020, and then Germany for four weeks in February. And I got back March 1st. And then two weeks later, everything just stopped. You know, so it was it was kind of crazy. Um, and I mean, when, when I say the, the, you know, the album did well and topped the charts, you know, I mean, it's all relative, right? You know, like, because, you know, it's, it's blues albums. It's They're not necessarily like maybe the sales wise, the same height as, you know, top 40 albums, you know, right. the Billboard top 100. Um, but, you know, I will say that album sales specifically and, and now coming out of COVID, specifically music fans in the genres that I do, they really want that physical product. They really want to connect with the artist in some way. They yes. want something to take after the show. So while a lot of people say like, oh, you know, CDs are dead, you know, vinyl has made a comeback and people do want that tangible product, yes. especially because coming out of COVID, you know, we all needed that media kind of release to look at, you know, everybody was watching Netflix, everybody was listening to music. That's how we got through it. So I'm just grateful that I get to play a small part in that. So. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I had a client recently who didn't want to do a tangible giveaway when we had a headliner. Uh, that would have been a CD. And her question to me was, does anybody listen to CDs anymore? And my response was, that's really not the reason to give this out because 
you have them sign they become you know a collector's item you don't play it you just yep. keep you keep mm -hmm. it and hold it as a you know a point 100%. of pride i have cds sitting right here from friends shows that i ha i honestly haven't listened to i'll try to you know do a batch of them and upload them to my computer when i could find my disk drive you know because they don't even come with disk drives anymore but i have i have people tell me that all the time you know i don't that you know they might stream it or whatever but they want to they want to support the artist. They want right. to buy the physical product, especially for, you know, artists on like our level, you know, now granted when you're looking at like Adele or, or, you know, even then I think having that merch item, like a t-shirt or whatever, something tangible, that's people want that still. <laughs> it's all, it's yeah. a, it's a memory of a moment of an experience. And, you know, it's funny. I kind of, I, I'm not the guy who always buys a piece of merch. I can't get past the prices, but I will I will not throw out T-shirts as old and raggedy as they become if it's from something that I remember doing, you know, even if it's from a conference. So there's there's validity in that. People do like to have something tangible that reminds them of, of mm -hmm. a really good memory, right? Mm -hmm. If I could pivot now away from the albums, uh, why do you invest yourself in taking gigs specifically, uh, what we would call casuals or one-nighters? Uh, why, why do that? You know, I feel like over the last 12 years, you know, I'm a native San Diegan. I grew up here. And in the last 12 years, I've really developed a very loyal fan base who really comes out and, you know, that they've all become friends almost and even new people. It's just that connection that I have. I, I, I love, you know, still to this day playing, you know, clubs because, you know, you have that one-on-one -on -one interaction <laughs> where, you know, even children, even adults, where you'll just have somebody going through a hard time and they'll say, you just made my whole day or I drove. You know, when I was in Europe, there was a couple of people who said, you know, I drove six hours to be here, you know, to see you. I mean, people wow. really, it, I, and, I, and I don't take that lightly. Like even when I'm, when I work a lot, I really always try to remember that my job is to bring people joy, like in the music and that I want to connect to others. And, you know, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know, you know, I've had people tell me all kinds of stories about their lives and you don't know how much you're going to touch somebody that night by whatever song you played. I had somebody recently say, oh, you know, you just sang Georgia. They played that at my brother's funeral. You know, I felt like he was here with me when you played, you know, just really things that make your, you know, you get goosebumps a little bit because, People just love music so much and they want to connect with you, you know, and, and, and really how special is that, that you can bring somebody out of whatever they're going through that day and, and bring them some solace, you know, some meditative moment. So it's, it's, I mean, music is healing. Music is a healing modality. I, most people don't think of it that way, but it, I love that you approach it in that way. Does your musical theater, do you think your musical theater background has kind of helped guide you in that expression and that catharsism? 100%. You know, I mean, I, I was a, I, I went to theater at San Diego State and um, 
one of the classes that we had was, you know, I mean, we were doing songs as a monologue and you were talking about, you know, your overall objective in the song and, and talking about tactics that you do to accomplish that objective. And I've always, I don't necessarily like every song I learn, like go in with that intent now, but I do think that there's an overall feeling to the lyrics. And I, I feel like it helps you having that background. It helps me invest more in the song itself and be more genuine in my delivery, I guess, mm -hmm. as opposed to just singing. You know, I've always thought of myself more as a performer than just a singer. Yeah, it's a story and you're telling yeah. a story and there has to be a reason you're telling that story. And it doesn't matter what it is, but when you connect, they connect. Yes, Definitely. because nobody's going to see their lost uncle mm -hmm. when a song is played if it's just played. Yep. If it's performed, if it's sung with passion and emotion, then they're going to connect. And and I wanted to bring that point up when you you said it would it's your job um, to bring people joy and that people want to connect. Uh, people want to connect when they feel a connection coming towards them. You're inviting them in your performance. And that doesn't happen by mistake. It's very intentional. And we I'm reiterating it because it's just so important that any any artist that decides they want to have a career in performing understand that at the end of the day, even before you rise at the beginning of the day, it's about the audience. One hundred. Yes, I say that all the time. You know, I I I really like I've I've in my career I've I've gotten to work with lots of different musicians and older musicians, and it's it's been interesting when I see, you know, some musicians who've become embittered over the years. You know, unfortunately, like it's you know it, it's a difficult lifestyle that we lead. You know, freelancing and all the yes. things. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. but I I think that it's really important. You know, one of the things that COVID really taught me was about finding more balance in life. You know that. Um, yes. Yes, our yes, careers yes. are important and music is so important. It's what I want to do so much, but that there are other things, you know, it's one thing that in this country, I think we get so wrapped up in our careers that it's another thing that like maybe in Europe and some other countries, they have better work life balance. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been something that I feel like has now coming out of COVID brought me more joy in performing, um, because I found more balance, you know. Uh, like I've been doing yoga every day, you know, I started gardening, I started cooking. I never cooked before COVID, like once a year, maybe. <laughs> Seriously. And then I started like, oh, I'm learning. I got, you know, I, I got the air fryer Instapot combo. So I do all that. But I just never had time before. I never made time. So that's a that's a big difference in what you just said. You never made time. Yep. And yeah. It's about priorities. And you know, you can't give i mean just what we were talking about giving to somebody you can't give to somebody unless your cup is full too so that's a big one that's so true and it's good that you have a full cup because we're going to do something right now we call the rapid fire <laughs> okay 10 rapid fire questions and the clock is ticking are you ready to go ready let's go that was not your first question <laughs> the first question is <laughs> who is your favorite singer etta james nice What's one activity you lose track of time doing? Thrift store shopping. Why does your nose run and your feet smell? <laughs> um, 
because I don't know. <laughs> Do you cry? Yes. What's your favorite Broadway show? Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, wow. How, no, it's an interesting one. I was just thinking about one that one today too. How long do you take in the shower? Uh, Twenty minutes, probably. Wow, I'm gonna. That's tell my them. that's my moment to you know decompress. I love hot showers. We won't let the water authority hear this recording. <laughs> I don't tell them. It's a good time to meditate. I'm just gonna say exactly. The water ceiling. Have you ever skinny dipped in the ocean? No. Something to think about. Uh, maybe today. <laughs> what takeout? Oh, what takeout food do you order most? Thai. What's the item on your to-do list that you never get to? Lately, it's been my morning pages from the Artist's Way. I'm trying to get on those. Yes, I went through that course. Yeah, Great I'm, trying course. To, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to make it a habit. I just good. Other stuff keeps coming up, and I gotta no, make no. the time. Yes. Lastly, what's the first letter of your go-to curse word? F F F. <laughs> we got some bad girls on the show. I Dang. mean, you know, it's such a good word. <laughs> such a good word. It really you is. You know, it, it, it's just so well known too. It's they, just. Did you watch that show? They had it on Netflix. That was like the history of curse words. Did you see that? I didn't see it, but I, I did see that. see that there was something. I did see it listed. I didn't go to it. It wasn't that great. Well, Nicolas Cage was the host, which was also right. a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's just so awkward. He, he's, he, yeah, yeah. I think also it's, well, it's not the shortest curse word, but it's the easiest to produce and it, gives you the satisfaction of the f yeah. when you're really angry, right? You can really like, and you can stick the k. But it so could be angry. It could also be like, you're super excited about something. Like It's yeah. a good diaphragmatic uh, word to use too for vocal warmups, just saying. Oh, well, it's I'm got the put that in my vocal warmups. Yeah, now. it's got the fuh. It's a Judy Garland workout, the vocal warmup. Really? Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe like just stay away from the uh, the speed and the the vodka with it. Yeah, it was the uh, the the word and then you followed by the you. And I it's also you know it's funny because you talk about female empowerment, right? And I read something. Who knows if it's true? But that was also her way because she was put through so much, right? Oh God. So yeah. she used that as a vocal warm up, but also you know, it gave her her voice. So when I was coaching kids, I would do something different, obviously not those words, but you know, it's, it's a way to say, Hey, you have a voice. You can use it. You can be loud yeah. and proud. Yeah. It's God. I can't imagine what she went through being, you know, at that time and just growing up into that and, and what her daughter went through Liza Minnelli, like, God, I mean, what, incredible but really difficult lives they both had mm -hmm. so let me ask you about your vocal prowess you just underwent some surgery huh I what's did. going on there yeah it's been that's been really interesting and it's it's been a, a conversation that I, i've been really open about which is not something that most people are open about um but because it's been so stigmatized 
in our industry, I really wanted to be upfront with people about it. Um, I talked it to my vocal surgeon. So I had um, vocal surgery on June 1st. Was um, it to remove nodes? Were no, you, were they I no, didn't no? have nodules. No, okay. actually, I had um, some blood vessels on my left vocal cord, and then I received a steroid injection to reduce some kind of chronic inflammation, basically. Um, but I got to tell you, so so it's interesting because a lot of people think nodules are like the first thing people think. Right. Um, but actually, almost more common is um, vocal hemorrhage. Like that, that's what happened to Adele. It's happened to lots of singers. And, you know, it's, it's such an interesting thing because in any other, you know, athletes, any other industry, you know, it's just common for people to have injuries because mm -hmm. they, they use that muscle. But when singers go through it, oh, you know, they must have improper technique. They must have done right. something wrong. You know, that's right. the first thing. So I, you know, it, I really went back and forth and had a, a really long think about, you know, are people going to judge me? Are they going to be like, oh, she must have, you know, done something wrong. Like, and it's, it's been interesting. People have really like rallied around me, which has been awesome. And a lot of people private messaged me telling me their own vocal journeys that they've been through, like people with nodules, people, you know, so it's been kind of cool to connect with people about that because I think it is something that's shifting. You know, I read a lot of articles, of course, going through this about opera singers and musical theater singers on Broadway who've gone through vocal injury and come out of it. And for me personally, it's been really interesting because I'm seeing such an increase in range, um, an increase in stamina, I would say. And I'm definitely being more diligent about not overworking myself. You know, it wasn't necessarily just from singing. It was a lot for, of you know, talking after gigs, just a lot of different factors. You know, a lot of people get nodules and a vocal injury from uh, acid reflux. I mean, there's so many different <laughs> things that can cause it. And I've been pretty diligent. I mean, I go to get scoped every couple years. So it wasn't like I, something that I ignored that, you know, came up. And it was, you know, and I had a couple months to prep because I first found out about this um, when I went in in January. And we're really lucky in San Diego. We have um, amazing doctors at UCSD mm -hmm. um, who work with singers. I mean, specifically, like, from all over. And I got a second opinion from um, Renee Gupta, who's a really renowned um, vocal surgeon in Beverly Hills. And, you know, even she kind of reiterated to me, like, you know, Dr. Weisbrod and Aaron Walsh at UCSD are amazing. And, you know, you're in great hands. And it's been it's been really interesting but man it was hard not being able to talk not knowing you know if something happened you know of course everybody's heard the julie andrews horror story you know back years ago where her voice was irreparably, irreparably damaged and so you know you have that fear going in am i going to yeah. be able to sing like and how much of your identity is wrapped up in being a singer is is fascinating i'd never really thought about that so when you step back from that like wow what like who am i you know, if I'm not a singer. How so, did you get through that fear? How did you work through that? Well, um, having, you know, a really close support system helped. Um, you know, my boyfriend <laughs> to be, be really up and down for a while, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just got through it and, and, yeah, I've never not talked for a whole week in my life and never not sung for a month in I don't even know how long. Right. So it was 
It was crazy. And I'm actually, I, I guess I'm at their best success, success story. I'm the soonest returning singer, like to working full time. I went back after a month and I did a, a big festival for about 5,000 people in Germany. I had like one gig right before that. And then I flew to Germany. And so that was, even that was so crazy to go from nothing to, oh, here we go. We're in the thing. Right. Right. So it's been wow. a big journey and I think I'm going to write some songs about this on the next album. So, so what is your three-legged stool? What, um, what three tenets do you live by? Um, gratitude, um, being genuine and being kind to other people because you know you just don't know what anyone's going through so yeah I those are that. the things i really try to it's honor. good to it's 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 really nice to hear kindness among <laughs> them so little of it in the world today what is one of your daily habits you strongly believe contributes to your success hmm. um I think taking moments, you know, it's it's interesting reading the the book The Artist's Way right now, but finding the moments of like that spark, that electricity, you know, if I, like in whatever you're doing, just really, you know, even if you're, you know, running to a gig or whatever, you just find that moment, whether it's, you know, with your bandmates, whether it's, you know, with your partner, whether it's with your um friends it's it's just finding a moment whatever that moment is out of the day to just really be centered and yeah just realize how lucky you are i mean like i said just the practice of gratitude all the time i think you know nobody in this business is guaranteed anything and i think i've been really fortunate you know a lot of it is because i worked hard but you know i think a lot of it too is because i I practice gratitude and putting positive energy out in the world and it's mm -hmm. come back at me and I've been really blessed in that way. So yeah, just finding joy, finding gratitude every day, you know, no matter, I mean, obviously nobody is happy every day, you know, everyone has moments and, you know, but seeing, especially when you see somebody who you're, is in your inner circle practicing empathy and, and really just trying to, you know, find your own gratitude and, and help them, you know, discover theirs. It's beautiful. It's rambling. It, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, no, I, I wish kids were taught this because it, it really is very important and that it's okay to be sad and then, and experience it and feel the feels, you know, but to practice that on a daily, your gratitude and, and uh, your appreciation and your empathy it does, it gives you back, but it puts so much wonderful things out and so many wonderful things out in the world. Well, that's the other thing too, is I think our society nowadays, it just seems like everyone just wants to numb everything now, you know, whether it's watching TV, whether it's just, you know, kind of tuning out and really finding, you know, those moments where you just sit in it. If you are, you know, sad or whatever, you just experience it you sit in it and then you move on. Like if you're mad at somebody, you, okay, you work through it, you sit in it, even if it's uncomfortable, you apologize and you move on, you know? But I think, yeah, just people are so, I guess against 
feeling things anymore. It, it feels like anyway. I mean, I could be wrong, but at least just kind of my outward perception of society nowadays is people just, you know, are overwhelmed by their daily lives and they just want to go to work and come home and tune out. And really, if we can all find a way to, you know, really experience feelings, I think that's the beauty of, about being an artist is we get to do that every day. Yes. Yeah. So. What are the things you tell yourself when no one else is listening? Huh. <laughs> There's a lot of imposter syndrome there. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, that's yeah. what we all go through. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I try not to go too much into the negative self-talk, but you know, it's usually something along the lines of like, Oh, you didn't do this. Oh, you need to do this. You know? So I'm trying to get better about that. Um, I've been finding, you know, I, I'm actually going to, in the next couple of weeks, do a yoga teacher training course, which I'm really excited about to deepen my practice just because I found, I just started going back last month. I used to play music before COVID in the yoga classes at Core Power Yoga. And that was so cool. And I've been finding just exercising again and just finding those moments of stillness and like really just being, allowing myself to be in my body, man, how much it's affected my mood in a great way. So yeah, I mean that, that to me is, is a daily practice that I want to just keep up. So I was listening to a TED talk, uh, not too long ago and the general theme was happiness and, and how it is that we can be more mindful of happiness. And one of the points made very interesting was you know, when we are wrapped up in something, when we lose time, that's when we're at our happiest, right? Because we're engaged in something and we're focused on something and time just goes away. Uh, but that is a very small percentage of the time that we have in a day. Most of the time we're spent and our mind is wandering. We have nothing specific to focus on. And those are the dangerous times. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, because I'm as like you, I'm constantly with the negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, they're aware that I'm doing this. This must be a thing. I have to try to turn this around. So yeah, it is just a question, right, of deciding what you're going to think about and being focused on gratitude, because it does help you to see life in a different way. Would you say that's true? I would definitely say that's true. I, I read a book, I think it was like 12 years ago. It was a really interesting book by um, this guy named Anthony DeMello, who was a Jesuit priest, but he was also a, uh, he studied psychotherapy and he was from India. So there's a lot of like tenets of Buddhism within the book, which is really interesting. And yeah, one of the things that he talked about that I feel like was really life-changing for me and I've, I've tried to follow this is he talks about like we're so socially conditioned to focus on if I get this then I'll be happy if mm -hmm. I do this then I'll be happy and really like you have everything in your life right now to be happy but it's really about dropping the attachments dropping you know just being able to be in your body be in yourself and and not have attachments to these you know material possessions everything obviously like you know, that's something to strive to for that, you know, is, is difficult, but it's something that I've, I've really found in, in my practice of gratitude, you know, that, that we do have everything in our life 
that we can be happy for him. And when you when you hear stories about people going through the Holocaust or going through these incredibly difficult difficult things, and they're still like really positive and wonderful, and they write these books, you know, that are helping you know other people. I mean, that right there should tell you that you know that they've been through the most difficult things that someone could go through, and yet they're still able to find some kernel of joy in their life and mm -hmm. and live full and happy lives and so really what do we have to complain about then <laughs> that's right <laughs> and it's hope too it's, yes. it's faith yeah. and hope and yeah. the the ability to hang on to those things when all seems lost mm -hmm. you know and some people have it seems an easier time doing that than others and uh it is practice. It is. Uh, it, there's nothing else to say about it. Uh, you know, those of us who are turning our thought process around understand that. Uh, when I go home and I'm sitting with my family, the negative talk permeates the air, and it's not. It's not meanness. Yeah. It's not you know trying to hurt anybody. It's just the way that it is, and and the way that. You know, the family's accustomed to speaking. And um, I have to remind myself, I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like a victim anymore. I don't think that the world is against me. You know, I, you know those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because they suck you in and they're so easy to prove. So you have to really since, avoid. Since we've been talking about musical yes. theater and I don't get to do it very often. Um, one of the musicals that I loved in college was um, uh, Title of Show. Do you guys know that one? I know of it. Okay. I don't. It's a, it's a four-person musical. It's, it's very meta. It's a musical about people writing a musical. Um, but one of the songs <laughs> that's really great is called Die, Vampire, Die. And it's about like the vampires, quote-unquote, in our head that just, you know, that like tell you you're not good enough you know it's about that negative self-talk and it's something i always think about you know die vampire die like no like you don't get right. to talk to me that way <laughs> right. you know when when we hear our friends um i'll joke jokingly say to one of my girlfriends like don't talk about my friend that way you know when <laughs> they talk about themselves right. that way but you know we need to think about that for our own sakes too yeah. because right. it's so easy to see it with another person but when we do it to ourselves, oh, it's just acceptable. It's, you know, of course. My Reiki master gave me a very good tool and I get in the habit and then I get out of the habit and I kind of have to get back in the habit again. It's called finger of truth. Every time that negative, I hold up my finger and it literally, I do the physical holding up my finger mm. because, uh, uh and it's like, I wouldn't allow anybody to speak to my child that way. Why do I allow myself to speak to myself that way? Yeah. And it's, and just so the, the practice is okay, reframe and just reframe that thought right away to break the habit. And I would like yeah. to, may I share mine? I'm doing which the is, finger now and I just you did, broke you just, something. You just <laughs> broke excited. something. We heard it. What's so yours, I, Anthony? Mine, I thank you. I'd like to, um, I would like to credit my friend, Beth Meneghini for this. Uh, she wasn't talking to herself, but I talk to myself when I say, get out of here with that poison. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Oh, 
I like that you have to say it with a New York accent, too. Get out of here with that poison. Get out of here. Well, the fun thing about that, too, is it makes you laugh, which automatically, you know, takes you out of that (laughs) negative space, right? Because you're laughing. Right. Okay. When's the last time you tried something new? Uh, Oh, well, today I tried a a different kind of yoga class than I've taken. Um, But I I try new things all the time, actually. Um, I I don't really like ducking at things. I will say that. Like, it's one of the reasons I haven't played guitar more is because I don't like being a beginner at things sometimes. Um, But, you know, like during COVID, one of the things that I started doing was taking graphic design classes. I've never been, I love art, but I've never been somebody who was like an illustrator. I, I can't really draw, but it's something that I've just really enjoyed. And this semester I'm taking two courses. I'm taking a a advanced typography class and a logo and packaging class. And today in our advanced typography class, I had to create my own um, typeface. You know, that's something I've never done before. Really fascinating and would never think to have done that. But it's kind of cool learning new skills, especially like I had an acting teacher in college who told me this and it's stuck with me for a long time. You know, Anything you can learn to make yourself more marketable as an artist is a good thing. You know, like it's it's because you never know. And that was when I was acting more, you know, because that was so difficult to make a living at, you know. And be, I think in music it, it can be difficult. But I, I found, at least in San Diego, it's a lot easier because being a musician and kind of the kind of music I do, I get to curate my own thing where when you go to auditions, you're more reliant on you know, the production and you have to deal with politics and all the things, you know, of, of getting cast in that where here in music, I found at least personally, it's given me more mm, freedom to be myself, I guess. And like hold space as an artist, because this is the kind of music that I want to do. And there's only one of me and I don't really have to fit in a mold, you know, as much per se as maybe I did when I was doing theater. Right. I love that. Well, and you know, it's so interesting because the older we get, the more we realize that we don't want to fit in a mold. Yeah. And that the world is not looking for more molds. They're looking for the mold makers. Very true. It's right? true. Anybody can sing summertime, but nobody can sing it like you. 100%. Mm. So how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? I feel like I'm an old soul. I've been an old soul for a long time. Yep. But, you know, I don't know. I meet, I, I, I took a yoga class the other day and there was a woman who was 81 in there and doing push-ups and lifting weights. And I meet people all the time who are, you know, in their 70s and 80s and who, who have more energy than me. So I don't know. I think age is such a construct that, I, you know, back back when I was young, I used to think that, oh, 30s and 40s, oh, so old. And now I feel like 40 has become the new 30, you know, <laughs> like, and 50 has become the new, I don't know, 30, 30 maybe. Yeah, I think 30. Yeah, I think so. So, has six, so is 60, by the way. I just <laughs> okay, read it. 60 is the new 30. It's all, everybody's just 30 now. I mean, I, it's funny because I, I, I have friends. Yeah, I have friends who are in their 70s and I have friends who are in their you know, not as many in their twenties, but like, you know, I, I have such a wide gamut 
of ages that I surround myself with, and it's probably because of the music that I enjoy too. Um, that I don't know, age. It's not something I really think about in that way. Do you think that your positivity and your gratitude and those daily practices that that helps keep you ageless? Definitely. Well, I'll take it. I'll take the ageless comment. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> well, no, and the reason why I, I, I say this too is I think it does because I know on the East Coast, I have a lot of family back there. They tend to run very negative. Yeah. And I also notice that they age very early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's that sunshine we have here in Southern California. It is a real thing, you know. Well, and happiness. Happiness, yeah. Impacts life and the will to live and health and you know mental health is as, as important as physical health so yes i i'd have to agree we we should have a specialist on to talk about this oh good idea anytime yes. somebody is like negative like on a gig or something i just say hey we're not getting paid enough to hate what we're doing you know it's so oh. like, <laughs> no, true because i'm like look if you really want to like like go work you know a you know a six figure you know office i don't know job but we get to play music for a living my god like you know people i and i i think about that all the time i really try to remind myself of that is like especially when i get to do you know i've had stuff in movies or any kind of big thing that's happened i'm like wow like people go their whole life wishing for this you know like and 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 god how lucky am i that i've gotten this that i've gotten to this level that i still get to do this how lucky am i that i just went through vocal surgery and i could still sing you know and i could sing better than ever you know and i just you know i don't know if you don't have gratitude life is just not worth living no and you and you know i think you just expressed it really well because we get so caught up in our own stories we forget that you know we forget to to relate to them in a way that takes everybody else's perceptions into into account you know sure it's hard to be a singer sure you have to deal with your uh your bevy of jerks and unappreciative uh, patrons and all you know the lot of them and band members who who might not show up and all of that uh, but you're not special in that way that's what life is it's yeah. it just deals you a series of challenges and you know only the strongest shall prevail and you that's, know we we all have the bullshit to deal with that's the thing that i think i learned in theater too like the, i think the work ethic that was instilled in me in musical theater has really served me well as a musician because i mean the thing in theater was like there's always going to be somebody else who'll take your job you know right. like you're not you're not special in that way and yeah i mean you you have to show up and have a good attitude and be you know because i know so many talented people probably more talented than me but if they Mm -hmm. don't have that work ethic if they don't you know show up and are reliable i mean you know those are almost more important qualities i think they are than just being talented because there's a lot of talented people out there (laughs) but there's also a lot of lazy people or ungrateful or rude you know that like so you have to be the whole package it can't Mm -hmm. just be one thing and if you notice what's going on in the world of 
performance today is more than ever is, you know, people ha are making their own choices. You just said so yourself, right? You as your band leader, you're mm -hmm. making your own choices. There's no studio or executive yeah. producer standing over you telling you, you have to work with so-and-so. And we're seeing that across all media streams, especially on television and in film, where you see the same cast of characters playing in films together. That's because it works. Mm -hmm. And they enjoy working with one another and they select to joy to work with their friends with whom they get along and they're that all counts. Well, and we, people are being much more outspoken about when you uh -huh, know, uh -huh, like we uh -huh. won't we won't say which Broadway musical, but like, you know, when when somebody uh -huh. is taking over and Funny. people are really upset <laughs> because they're not a very nice person, you know, that like I feel like that stuff was kind of maybe implied before but not really talked about and it, no. it's interesting now it's it's much more talked about you know on a grand scale i mean at, like not just within the industry people like laymen are talking about that now so mm -hmm. and can we be real for a moment i think on the totem pole actors and dancers dancers specifically are treated the worst yep you know when you're in a show poor and dancers and their right. and their life is like you know their dance life. Yeah, their 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 careers, short. right? When you're doing a show and you're in a tech week, for example, you're there. You don't have a life of your own. You are stuck where you're stuck, and you are the least important thing in the in the construct of it all. You know, yeah. and so it isn't glamorous and glorious. And I think we're going to start hearing more stories from actors more complaints more even on the tech side it was it was interesting like what was it last year just looking at all the IATSE um people i don't know if you followed any of that but all the um film um worker like all the you know uh every, crews, everyone crews, on set yes. yeah the crew um it was so interesting reading all the stories you know and and people i mean they talk about the the great resignation and how things have shifted in the industry but even within our industries i think people are are kind of starting to speak up now and and starting to ask for you know reasonable accommodations that before everyone just oh you just have to accept it and it's, right. it's interesting how our industry has shifted that way and and maybe you know I like to, like I said, I like to look at the positive thing. Maybe this is one of the good things that came out of COVID because people learned that their whole lives weren't just about their job. And now they realized, wow, if I'm going to be in a job, like I really want to love what I'm doing. I really want to, you know, be happy in my life, you know, and, and hopefully they can do that and be an artist and work in the arts and still be happy. But it, it's a difficult life that's not for everyone. No. <laughs> the nice takeaway that I, I'm getting from what you just said is you can be positive yep. and still know that you're deserving of respect. You can be a the two person. are not mutually exclusive. It's about holding space and not, mm -hmm. be, you know, and that's something as as a woman, even like as a as empowered as I like to call myself. It's something that I struggle with, too. Sometimes I was just yeah. having a conversation a few days ago with a friend about um you know, a, a business relationship and, you know, dealing with misogyny in that business relationship and having to, you know, 
as much as I've negotiated contracts and, and been really outspoken, it, it, it still is difficult for me to like ask for what I want. And if somebody is combative, like to hold my ground, you know, and it, it, it's interesting how we're so conditioned to, you know, be nice and want to people please. But I wouldn't say that's purely a, a female trait. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm sure not. You know, I feel that same angst uh and it's it's really it's hard to deal with and uh you know it's it's i think just about some people are able to do that and stand up for themselves and and don't even see when they're being slighted and other people they take everything as a slight you have yeah. to be very careful you know it's just the spectrum is so wide. And so it's really about knowing who you are and living through your values, right? Because then you can be sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's what everybody's teaching. It sounds like you listen to a lot of uh, Brene Brown. I love her. She's fantastic. Oh my God, right? Guru. She's a guru. She really yeah. is. She and really I, is. Did you read, um, what's the other one? Um, untamed to the glennon doyle book oh read that one that's a great really? one too yeah untamed. she talks about like you know rewilding basically like be like a she was talking about just the example she uses at the beginning of the book is like a cheetah in captivity and basically that like you see for a glimpse that she's still a cheetah she's still wild and you know still fierce and you know we have finding that in our lives her the the book is specifically kind of written from a female perspective because she talks about at least with women when she she talked about her son and her daughter and when she asked them oh you know who wants pizza and all the guys without looking just said yeah and the girls looked at each other first you know and they kind of surveyed the room before mm. they raised and i thought that was really interesting it just mm. I, again these are conversations that i feel like we haven't had before and it's so interesting this new age that we're in and and young people now today are so much more like they know themselves in a different yeah. way it, and they're yep. outspoken in a different way and they won't put up with things and it's you know it's kind of badass to witness you know how it's awesome yeah i mean they're you know i keep hearing about young people like my my friend's daughter who's in high school she's in climate change club and they they're protesting and they're you know they're really active i mean the younger generation they are really activists and they're really they just know themselves in a deep way they're very okay with talking about you know their own traumas their own journeys and and it's maybe something that none of us really have been able to talk about so well and and you know eloquently before so I, mean, I know my generation we weren't allowed to right no. just right Anthony we weren't allowed to my 17 year old daughter no. Whitney she calls me out all the time well that's also being a teenager all the well, no but no <laughs> she calls me out when I'm when when I'm talking down to myself or when I'm when I'm oh. belittling myself she calls me out wow. on it she's probably my biggest supporter in life how are they so aware at 17? I feel like I was just all over the place at 17. I don't get it. I don't know. I, look, she's an enigma to me sometimes. I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know that? But she does and she reads and she pays attention and she, you know, 
protests and amazing. I'm proud of, I I get very tired of hearing about how this generation is so entitled. They are not, they are going to save this world. Yes, they are. It's the generation before them. Hey, I'm so we have to worry about everyone. So everyone wants to talk about millennials, but let me tell you, I'm a I'm a millennial myself. I'm going to actually use you as my touchstone when I start feeling away. I'm going to be like texting you, Whitney, going, "Um, tell me not to do this. Do it. I will be like, don't talk to my friend like that. All right, what's next for you, Whitney? What comes up next? What's I've got a big, big show at the Belly Up um, that I'm headlining at the Belly Up October 2nd. It's a Sunday. October 2nd, Belly Up. Belly Up. So that's the next big one. Are you playing uh, some covers, some originals, all originals? I think it'll be almost all originals. Yeah. Maybe a new original. I haven't decided if we're going to do, but it'll be a big show with backup singers and horns. And I'm going to make one suggestion. Oh yeah. Okay. One really dynamic cover. One. Oh, I'll definitely do that. Okay. Trust me. Okay, good. Good. We're on the same. No, no. I like, I love, you know, it's interesting. I being, being a blues and jazz singer, I, I grew up, you know, singing covers for a long time because in the genres, it's kind of something that's expected. Yeah. It's expected. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a canon of music that Mm -hmm. is known and, you know, and I still play covers, you know, on my gigs, I'm not doing all original music, but um, it's been an interesting journey to go from, I like to call myself an interpreter of other people's music now to doing originals. Cause it's, you know, before a few years ago, I wasn't really doing original music at all. So it's, it's, still interesting to find the balance but no i i definitely i love a good i love good songwriting i don't care if i wrote it or if somebody else wrote it i just love a good melody i honestly i honestly believe that it helps to engage audience and to bring new audience members 100 yeah so i'm glad that you agree sometimes people just don't know until they hear you do something that they know and then suddenly they can't stop listening you know it's very odd how people become attracted to music and people a singer. like what they know. I, they, I always right, say they this. do. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny when when people come up and compliment me. Oh, you know who you sound like. You know, right. whoever it is. Like I've I've learned. You know, most of the time it's somebody I like. But if it's somebody I don't like, you know, I've realized I I don't take it personally anymore because what I realize is they're saying I really like this person right. that I know and I like you too, and they're just right. trying to find some connection. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I. I used to the one I, I don't really like you know i'm all admit is janice, janice joplin i'm not really a janice joplin uh, fan yeah. you know and so because i sing blues and because you know it's it just it's one of the and i have a raspy voice it's one of the ones that people go to right away right. but you know when they say bonnie Raitt, i'm like okay right. or uh, lake street dive or edit james when i get any of those okay great awesome right. But, as long as it's not Roseanne singing the national anthem. I've never gotten that one, fortunately. Oh, dear God. Definitely no, not. Yeah. My ears are bleeding <laughs> just just thinking of it makes my ears bleed. Oh. I doubt you'll ever hear that. But if you do, I assure you it's not you. <laughs> that person is just drunk that day, I guess. Yes. So October 2nd, Belly Up, Solana Beach. Yeah. Whitney Shea and her band. How yes. many pieces behind you? 
Um, I can't. I haven't decided if we're gonna have eight or ten that night. Oh, gee. And then wow. there'll be two other two other bands. So the Titan Ups are, are opening up, and the Sea Monks, who are an awesome. So they're they're kind of like a Americana rockabilly band. They're a family band. It's a dad and two sons and another guy. They're cool. just wonderful. And the Titan Ups, Laura Jane is the lead singer, and they're they're a big band with horns and stuff. It's they're like wow. kind of rock soul. So it'll be a really fun night. I was about to say, who cares about the other singers? But uh, now well, I do care. I mean, I love you. Oh, come on. I care. I, I picked them. So I want it. You know, it's going to be oh, a good night. I curated right. the evening. So. Do you want to tell us how much tickets are? Yes. They're $18, I believe, if you buy that them in advance. That is such a bargain. Yes. Come oh, on. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to grab our mutual friend, Julie Sachs. I love Julie Sachs. I shout know. out to Julie Sachs. Maybe we can make an evening uh, of it. Shout out to Sal. Julie. It's October yeah. 2nd. <gasps> Yes, yes. make an evening a of it. A lot of field trip. Yes, exactly. Yes. I see. And I've I never see. been to the belly up. What? I know I'm a native San Diego and I've never been to the belly up. That's the best music. Well, it, it was it is my favorite. But the new well, the new one, if you haven't been to the shell yet. Oh that, gosh. That might be I, the belly up was my favorite music menu in San Diego, but the shell I think is my favorite now. It's amazing. I mean, it is an iconic San Diego evening that you can't get just anywhere in no. the world. It is it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you could even go, like, I mean, I don't want to say you should go for free, but you can even go and, like, you sit can. there and picnic for free. Outside of the park. Yeah, uh -huh. you can still hear it. Yep. We saw the we saw Pink Martini last week there, and oh, they were, yeah. oh, my gosh. They were so, so good. good. Oh, yeah, they really were. They were what a wonderful show that was i saw tower um, of power there like a month oh ago. oh my gosh tower of power wow and you know our our, our guest here today has performed there you Me? have no didn't she per perform no didn't she perform there i thought the decadames did but i was in europe when they did oh, oh. i'm sorry i was like Way to bring it up. Way to rub salt. I'm sorry. Okay, Dan, let me cut to, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great way to end it. No, she wasn't in the show. No, I'm just kidding. I was supposed to be on wah, that gig, wah. but I was, I mean, I had a good excuse. I was on tour in Europe. So, um, but my, one of my groups did perform there. Two I would back. say the tour in Europe is, I mean, uh, you know, come yeah, on. It's, it's a good tour in would, Europe. Uh, good excuse. And I would say the shell will be there. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's not it's going gonna, anywhere. It's going to happen. Hopefully, no, it's, it's going to happen. Yes. yes. So, thank you so much for joining us. Where can they hear their music? Where can they hear your music? Their music. Yes. They can hear their music um, at <laughs> no, tease me. Tease Spotify, me. iTunes, all the things. Just look up Whitney Shea, W H I T N E Y S H A Y dot com. And it's on all the social platforms. It's just Whitney Shea Sings. Whatever. Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, slash Whitney Shea Sings. And that is Sang. Sings. You sang. But yeah, I sang. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm just saying that because uh, I did sing at a wedding once, and that was the comment after the wedding. Some lady came up to me and said, Honey, you sang that song, and I felt so proud. I got that on Friday. Right? I love did that. You, That's the I love it. Like, you yes. know that you hit it. Yes. 
Thank you for joining us, Whitney Shea. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please tell all your friends, remember those five stars and remember to subscribe. If you have a question or concern, just find us on bolada.com backsplash podcast. You can leave anything you like for us there. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you, Alex. It's time to say goodbye. So long, farewell. I'll be the same goodbye. To you. And you, and you, and you, and you, ooh. Stay engaging. <laughs> hey, friends, thank you so much for listening. We had just one little favor to ask you. In our show notes, we put a survey. We'd like to know who you are. Would you mind filling out the survey for us? Just a few short questions, that's all. Thanks. Thanks.